Hey there, welcome to Food Talks Today, a podcast on the intersection of foodies, restaurants, and you. Our goal is to inspire you to think about the world of eating. We're your co-hosts, Eric and Sonia. Sonia, so for today, I thought it'd be great to discuss whether or not um, you and I think that restaurants are going to be returning to normal. My personal opinion is there is no way that restaurants are going to be returning to normal post this pandemic. What about you? Uh, I absolutely think that restaurants will return to normal. As you know, all of our listeners, you voted on it. You told us from 80% of you told us that you think restaurant going will return to normal. Interesting. Well, let me let me lay out my points in terms of why I don't think the restaurant industry will return to normal either anytime soon or post pandemic. So when I'm talking about post pandemic, I literally think that will be another year from now because of the required time for distribution and production of a vaccine and for the majority of the, let's say North American, but global population to get herd immunity. So fundamentally, that means there are a lot of restaurants that will be either barely making it or do not have sufficient funds to make it that will close down, right? This will have a sufficient and big impact, not only on how future restaurants are planned, but the type and quality of personnel uh, available, right? Like if I take a look at it, restaurants, particularly in San Francisco or any high-end cities, they always like to say it's location, location, location. Am I really going to spend and lock myself into a long-term lease for maybe, I don't know, $20,000 a month in a supposedly high traffic area, like maybe a work environment or a uh, tourist district when there could be another pandemic or I'm uncertain and I've already been scarred because of one bankruptcy. Any counter to that, Sonia? I have lots of counters. So the first (laughs) one would be... I feel like everything you're saying is related more or less to if I were to open a new restaurant, because if I were to open a new restaurant, then I would consider where am I opening it? How much does it cost? Am I going to get that foot traffic that I'm comfortable and or anticipate having in order to break even on the bare minimum investment? But I think that's a very different question than will people go back to restaurants? Will that behavior return to normal? And if anything, we're already seeing that in the middle of a pandemic, people love going back out. It's just a matter of how safe do they feel. And so we're segmenting the restaurant crowds now into relative risk levels. So I personally have been to some indoor dining spots with friends. Uh, Some friends are more comfortable than others. And so we have the friends that go to indoor restaurants, friends who come to the house, friends who I do outdoor dining with, or friends where I really only take walks with, right? So the, the people who take walks right now are the ones that would arguably say, Restaurant going will not return to normal anytime soon. So they might agree with you. But for the rest of us, it already is normal. It's just not crowded. That's a very separate question and issue than did, are we going back to restaurants? Does it feel the same way as it used to feel? And to I that, sh- it is true. Well, I strongly disagree with you. So if you think about your restaurant going experience, that will inevitably change. I think there's a significant adoption of technologies that were slower to be adapted before. Now, I would specifically point to the rise of QR codes that are being used for restaurant menus. 
I think a lot of restaurants didn't necessarily have that before, and they may continue to adopt such technologies in order to save on paper or make it more, I guess, technologically advanced experience. I think the other form I would say is contactless, right? Especially contactless payments, where in the past, you know, you'd hand over your car, you didn't know where it went, etc. And now it's like, hey, I'll just pay with a QR code or I'll just pay with, you know, a, a, a contactless dongle. So from that perspective, I think the dining experience will change um, uh, for, the, for the end user, for the customer like you and I. And I think that's going to be fundamentally critical because if we expect that level of technological advancement, what other aspects do we expect in a future dining experience? Now, one thing I think you'll probably argue, uh, and I'm trying to cut you off in front of your argument, but I think I don't disagree with you that dining fundamentally is going to be about getting in physical contact with people, right? Whether it's seeing friends, chatting over drinks, something like that. That I don't think will fundamentally change. I think how we pursue it will change and all the surrounding accoutrements will change. So that's not the argument I was going to make. I'm going to just re refute your first one first. Contact, you talk about contactless and QR codes as if normal prior to that was better. No, I hate the current normal if that's the normal. And I'm happy to agree with you, except I actually think you're saying return to normal is almost like a, a relapse in technological advancement. So why would it be bad if it's changing for the better? And I think that we shouldn't talk about return to normal as if normal was worse. Normal should be the ideals, right? The things that we used to love. And also contactless and QR codes are actually very common in other places. The U.S. is literally one of the countries that are so behind in some of these payments. When I went to Spain, every restaurant brought the dongle to me and I could tap to pay everywhere I went. The U.S. is the only place where people are really surprised that Apple Pay exists. And I, for one, would love to see more QR codes and way more contactless. My favorite experience thus far paying was at a restaurant in Asheville. They brought all of our checks separated and then all I had to do was scan a QR code and then automatically pay. So I was even able to Apple Pay based off of that. It was so convenient. It was amazing. And if restaurants move to that and that is the new normal, that would be way better. And infrastructurally, I think we'll even see fewer instances of fraud, etc. So I think that's a move for the positive and therefore it's great. In terms of the contact, sure, you know, I'm not anticipating anytime soon that we're crowding bars where we're really at capacity or over capacity. But at the same time, there aren't that many people who loved that experience. I think people settled for the fact that that was a reality. And so if you say, okay, this time we're not going to crowd out this bar for the sake of an extra dollar, uh, would people be upset by that? And I don't think the answer is yes. So in all of those senses, if that is how the restaurant industry changes, I think it's a step in the right direction and it's way better than the current experience we currently have. Wait, what you just argued is the argument for suburbia in many respects, because the reason that you have tiny spaces that maximize capacity pre-pandemic was they needed to crowd capacity in order to pay the bills because their rent was at $20,000 a month, right? And they needed to cram as many people in as possible. And I think fundamentally, 
you know, you're arguing more on the end user perspective, which I'm not disagreeing. I think fundamentally from a restaurant goer or bar goer perspective, I think things will change for the better if we apply more technologies. But I think where we go and the back end will change and may not necessarily be more for the better because your argument there, less crowded bars. So you're basically arguing for maybe strip mall suburbia where I get chain restaurants instead of independent operators. And I think oh, that's no, fundamentally the issues. Not. Well, absolutely. that's what you're arguing. That is no, what I'm you're not, arguing I for. did not say that. I never said the word suburbia, nor did I say it, that we couldn't have at capacity. But you and I have been to bars in San Francisco where it was unrealistic that for a capacity of, let's say, 50, there were only 50 people. I'm saying we respect the fact that there are capacity limits and that we don't cause people to feel like they need to hyperventilate and breathe into a paper bag. But that said, that's not a guarantee that that is to make rent. I think that's a very different circumstance, even from the restaurant's perspective. Just because you have a crowded bar doesn't mean uh, you can pay rent. And just because you don't have a crowded bar doesn't mean you can't pay rent. Otherwise, how can you explain some of the random, not good restaurants that are in San Francisco that take up actually a lot of space? They're massive spaces and yet never seem to have that many people. And they're still there. They've been there for a long time. And restaurants that are really popular that go out of business. So clearly, it's not related to your traffic. It's related to how much people just order and buy and what is the average ticket. If the average ticket goes up, then overall, the restaurant will be able to pay rent. So that's not an argument still for suburbia. I think fundamentally, what you're arguing is, you know, how well a business is run. And then one final point that I'll make is, if that's the case, if, our, if the whole point is to maximize profitability and create a larger ticket size, or at least manage tick, uh, profitability based on maybe smaller ticket sizes, then, then we're seeing a fundamental shift towards either cheaper spaces or potentially not having uh, spaces at all and the rise of ghost kitchens, right? So I think there's reliance on maybe to your point, maybe it's a, I get together with friends and I just order takeout from this ghost kitchen that happens to make great food, right? Where I, as a restaurant owner or bar owner, I don't have to have the uh, expense of having high-end decors or, or wait staff, et cetera, but I'm maximizing my profitability. Yes, my average ticket size is lower, but guess what? I'm still making money. And if I decided to close shop and start something new, it's easier and, and less have a headache for me to do that than if I did the traditional uh, restaurant model. That's completely different than restaurant going. Restaurant going behavior is on the end user. How you operate a restaurant is completely to the owner's choice. Most people don't go to restaurants to go to a ghost kitchen. If they wanted to get takeout, they just get takeout. If they want to go to a restaurant, they want to go to a restaurant. So in terms of that behavior, it's never on how efficiently a restaurant is run. It's, or, well, I take that back. That's not true because poor customer service really impacts that. But mm -hmm. it's not about the things you were talking about. It's completely separate. And on that closing note, I win. <laughs> well, on that closing note, Sonia, I think we have a lot to debate about and it was a good debate. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one for now. <laughs> this has been Food Talks Today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. 
We're your co-host, Eric and Sonia. Thanks for tuning in with us.